Hey, everybody, Kevin Grossman, president of the Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards. It is now 2020, and this year's benchmark research program is open. Do you know what your candidate experience perception gaps are? What you're delivering in recruiting versus what your candidates actually are experiencing? The Candy Benchmark Research Program can definitely help you identify what those gaps are. And if elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience is what your organization is all about, then go to thetalentboard.org and register today. Enjoy this episode of the Candy Shop Talk podcast. To me, it goes towards, you know, I think it's your last chance to make an impression with that person who interacted with your company overall, right? That's the last thing they're going to see from you. And so why not take that opportunity to make it into a more positive experience overall? You're listening to the Candy Shop Talk podcast brought to you by Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards Benchmark Research and hosted by Kevin W. Grossman. Talent Board is the first nonprofit research organization focused on elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience. The Candy Shop Talk podcast welcomes Chris Russell, Managing Director of RecTech Media and founder of Jobify, and a proud Candidate Experience Awards partner. Listen in on how improving candidate experience impacts recruiting and the business bottom line. Chris, thank you so much for joining me on the Candy Shop Talk podcast. Before we dive into the rest of the show, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do today? All right. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate uh, being on the show. So I'm a, uh, I guess, a 20-year veteran of the uh, recruiting industry overall. Used to run a local job board network here in Connecticut, where I lived for uh, uh, many years, about 13 years uh, overall before I sold that company. After that, I dabbled in a few other uh, career-related startups, became a corporate recruiter as well. So I spent a few years in the, in the trenches, as they say, in, the, in TA. And uh, once I left that, uh, about four years ago, decided to go back on my own again. And uh, today I run uh, Rec Tech Media. Um, so my job today is essentially to uh, empower and inform the modern recruiter. I do that through uh, recruiting the ecosystem around recruiting both vendors and, and practitioners through our number of sites, blogs, podcasts, webinars, um, and, and services overall. So and we power sites like uh, recruitingheadlines.com, which is a news aggregator for the space, and provide services like Rejobify, which we'll uh, talk about later overall. So seen a lot, done a lot. And um, so much is changing and happening these days with TA, especially around technology. I just really felt that I could add a lot of uh, value around uh, helping to educate the space on the latest and greatest out there and, and help make uh, people better recruiters by what they do. Completely agree. And you and I, again, being we're kind of now getting to be more and more the old kids on the block, right? Yeah. Which is nothing wrong with that at all. We've been around. <clears throat> and I, I've been in the HR recruiting tech space and just overall... HR recruiting for over 20 years now. And it is exciting. I think more now than ever, we're seeing technologies, point solutions, suites, I mean, you name it, AI-related technologies, artificial intelligence, machine learning. There's so much that's out there. It's a lot of noise and it's scary for a Mm -hmm. lot of recruiters as well and a lot of modern TA leaders and their teams. But the good news, I think you and I would concur, and we'll talk a little bit more about in this call, is that these more than ever now are really helping to empower better efficiencies in recruiting, better processes. And at the end of the day, I think making talent acquisition more effective recruiters. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's uh, it's sort of the golden age of HR tech right now, Kevin. And uh, yeah. there's never been more technology than there is right now. And it seems like there's keeping more out there. Um, but it's definitely uh, gone. We've come a long way as far as just improving that overall candidate experience and you know making things more efficient overall. And I'm pretty excited about the next two to three years here to see what's next too, because it's definitely a lot more coming, I think. Oh, absolutely. C- couldn't agree more. One thing that's that we're going to talk more about is rejection. 
And, uh, you know, it's a big part of talent acquisition and recruiting. And as we were talking about before we even started the podcast, the majority of folks that candidates themselves that are interested in any employer big and small across industries are never going to be hired. And they may be hired in different iterations over time in different spots, et cetera, especially if they're future fit folks and make it to final stage, silver medalist, bronze medalist, you name it. But at the end of the day, employers are, it's an uphill battle, right? They are going to be rejecting always, for the most part, more people than they ever hire. And that, what we see at the Talent Board Candidate Experience Awards Benchmark Research that we do every year, that there's a definite impact on their business and their brand, positive and negative, over time. So, and and the rejection message, whether it's delivered automatically via a personal personal email or even on the phone or a text for that matter, or whatever the the medium is, right, mm-hmm. and how it's done. This is hard for employers. Why don't you tell us, give us your take on why employers should really kind of take a step back and think about how why they should be caring more about how they're rejecting? Great question. So I think uh, someone I saw speak once, I, I forget who it was, but said, uh, you're in the rejection business, pointing to the employers in the crowd. And I've always, that's always stuck with me over the years. And uh, I think that's... To me, it, it goes towards, you know, I think it's your last chance to make an impression with that that person who interacted with your company overall, right? That's the last thing they're going to see from you. And so why not take that opportunity to make it into a more positive experience overall? Here's a quote from a guy, a staffing manager at Google, Kev. He says, uh, if your rejection process makes a good impression, it's more likely that Kent and their network will stay connected with your brand, both as future job applicants and depending on your business, even customers overall. And that's a great quote to take away from today's uh, talk. Uh, so it's turning turning a negative into a positive. It's creating a better can experience that can, I think, here's the key, differentiate you as an employer out there, employer of choice, essentially. Um, and I think caring about the little things like rejection emails mean you care about them as a candidate overall. And they're going to see that and they're going to thank you overall, I think, if you actually put some thought and effort into how you do your rejection overall. Absolutely. We've been doing this research at Talent Board now in the candies, as we like to call it, candidate experience for short, for... Mm-hmm. Nine years, and every year we get dig a little bit deeper, get a little bit more insight, a little bit more connecting the dots as to the whys of what occurs and how it can impact recruiting and the business at the end of the day. And just the quote that you just said, that's the thing that we implore on employers every year is that their experience, the candidate's experience, is going to impact whether or not they apply in the future, whether or not they refer others which is even probably more critical because, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in every employer's defense, Chris, I always like to say you don't, miss, you don't really want everybody applying again. Of course you don't. But you do want those key folks that may be future fit to apply again. And you definitely want referrals. And then you just want also, you know, advocacy for the business and the brand. And especially for consumer-based organizations, yes, absolutely. Those individuals could be customers make purchasing decisions and or impact the influence of purchasing decisions with others. And we see it every year. We know companies are quantifying it. Not a lot of companies like to share that information, especially publicly traded ones. They don't, but we know because we work with them that they are measuring it and that the potential cost is millions, if not higher, every year um, mm-hmm. of a poor candidate experience. And it can be a revenue generator as well, right? But back to the rejection note. So what I'm fascinated about is that there's still so many employers that, especially with 
the volume of applicants that are never going to go any further once they apply that are sent the autoresponder. That's pretty much status quo normal. That's always going to happen. But they get the autoresponder that says, thank you very much for applying. We'll be in touch if you move to the next steps or whatever that verbiage is, right? That's not closure though, right? It's not at all. So why, I mean, that's one example, but why else do you think rejection is still broken when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, we. Uh, so there's a tweet I found uh, a couple weeks ago, which I'll, I'll start with that question is, so this person, uh, her name's Wendy Berry, um, at the Wendy Berry on Twitter. She tweeted that, uh, just got a rejection email this morning for a job I applied for, get ready, Kevin, nine months ago. And here I thought I had it in the bag. And she put a little... Uh, <laughs> on face on there. Well, and you know... Yeah. She says, try harder talent acquisition and recruitment folks as their message. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a perfect example of what's wrong with rejection. And, today. and there's, and there's both, both of them, right? It can go both ways. You also get those, even though I think this has been lessening, which I hope at least what I'm hearing anecdotally and kind of hearing through our research, you know, the, the immediate rejection, like 30 seconds after I apply. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's, that's not good. And then the delayed one, I mean, you know, even if you're trying to clear out the system and get, you know, clean up the pipelines, I mean, if getting a, a rejection nine months later, I mean, that person's, are, that ship sailed already. And that's probably, that's not going to help things and potentially might make it worse for them to, when they think about your brand and what they associate. To me, it's really a combination of technology, uh, you know, at a high volume and mm-hmm. not really having the technology in place to handle that. And then the apathy part where, you know, a lot of people just don't care about um, the cans themselves in terms of that rejection process. And then, you know, they, they get that automatic, you know, thank you for applying email and they kind of leave it at that and uh, forget about them at that point. When I, when I ran my last the corporate recruiting gig, you know, we were only getting probably around maybe 3,000 candidates a month. I made a point to go in there, you know, at least each week and just check to see who hasn't been touched. And uh, at the very least, I would just reject them at that point on a kind of regular basis. So I kind of made it a point as part of my daily duties to actually go in there and ensure that everyone was touched uh, somehow and that they got that rejection email or they got you know, further in the process, whatever it was. Also, you know, I do, I do think that, and, and I did that through, I, I was using iSIMS at the time, I think it was. You know, I did the whole select all and, and send the rejection email. And it was, to me, that was easy overall. And um, I realized that if you're getting, you know, 40,000 a month, that might be a little harder. But I would say, you know, break it down at that point. Maybe uh, just assign it to other people in the, in the uh, in our, on your team at that point and try and just make a dent in that at least overall. You know, it's um it's something that it's, if we tried a little bit harder, I think we'd actually, you know, make a, a pretty big dent in that overall gap, Kevin. I would agree. And that's actually, it's it, it, you mentioned the word gap. That's another thing that we're starting to, to delve further in is measuring perception gaps between what companies think they're delivering and what their candidates are actually experiencing, external and internal alike for that matter, yeah. because candidate experience does not stop when you're an employee. You're, you're having to constantly re-recruit to retain. But you know, we tell organizations that we work with that those who apply, if they're not at all qualified for that job, then tell them that and say, thank you for your time. We were not going to pursue you any further. Best of luck. You know, for future fit folks, there's always the, the, the plus opportunity on the overall level perception of fairness of the candidate to maybe recommend another role. If Again, depending on what your system set up and your recruiting structure and the volume of racks that you're dealing with, there's so many factors that are involved. But be definitive about it because we see it in the comments in our research every year. If expectation and communication is clear from beginning to however far I get, that's a good thing. And I may still not be happy that you know I felt like I was qualified and I applied and you told me I wasn't. 
fine, but at least it's clear and definitive. Mm-hmm. And we know that candidates are more still more than likely to do something again if they feel again that it was fair, regardless of what happens at the end of the day. That's huge, right? So why don't you share a little bit more then, Chris, about your what you would call your core best practices for rejecting candidates? Yeah, I would say, uh, first of all, have, you know, have some different templates available overall. You don't want to just have one template overall. You want to have one for kind of mass rejection, one for shortlisted candidates, one for, you know, in-person interviews, that kind of stuff overall. I think that more personalizes that, that communication better overall. You know, for after the interview, if they come in person or over the phone, you know, you want to get back to them fairly quickly. So within, you know, I think 24 to 48 hours is kind of a, a good guideline to go by. If it's a mass rejection email, you know, say no more than one or two weeks at the most overall, but you definitely want to, you know, ensure that you touch all of those people coming in the door, number one. Try and give them some form of feedback, like you mentioned earlier, uh, as to why. I understand you don't always want to do that. Um, you know, Delta actually, uh, I wrote about this on the Rejabify blog, Delta uh, flight attendants get a, a scorecard if they don't pass, right? And it tells them, okay, here's where your weaknesses are. Here's where you can improve. That's part of their overall rejection template, I guess, what I understood. You know, and that, that comes from an assessment tool itself um, that uh, they have to go through overall. So there's an example of technology being used to provide that feedback kind of automatically for them. You know, things like helping them continue their job search by providing other resources, maybe following you on, on, on your career site or applying to your talent community is another good practice. Uh, asking them for feedback as well as to, in terms of how was our hiring process? How was the apply uh, working okay? Things like that. I mean, you can learn a lot from candidates as far as what they perceive about you overall. And um, I really think you could you could leverage that, that rejection email to also ask about that stuff as well. And and lastly, turn them into customers. And there's that famous story of uh, Virgin Atlantic with that flight voucher where they gave them uh, flight vouchers to all their rejected candidates. And they generated, I don't know, seven or eight million dollars in, in uh, flights, I think, off of that, something like that. So if you're a B2C company, think of ways to do that uh, within your, uh, turn those candidates into customers too. We have similar examples as well. I know companies like Kimberly Clark and AT&T and, and many other <laughs> consumer companies that have participated in one candy awards in the past as well. They, they, have figured out that, listen, you know, besides obviously improving their process and the candidate experience first and foremost, you can actually turn those folks into brand advocates and to customers by giving them coupons and a variety of other kinds of things that will in kind of compel them to like, listen, we appreciate your time. Again, always thanking the candidates for their time. That's always super critical to do that. And yes. Um, no matter what. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. And here, by the way, you, you know, we're going to pass on you this time, but here's something that we hope will you know, help you out when you go for your next purchases or whatever. And it's funny because sometimes when, I, when we talk about those things in workshops and other activities that we do, we get some attendees feel like, oh, wouldn't that just make candidates mad? And I'm like, no, actually it doesn't. Actually, no. for, the most, for the most part, it works. Giving feedback does not necessarily lead to litigation. If, again, and, and we know if, again, there are specific guide rails set up and you're focused on job fit qualification as to why. Nothing personal. And we see nothing but spikes and positive ratings and overall perception of fairness when feedback is given, to, especially to final stage candidates. When you're making it to towards the end and um, you've already had multiple engagements with that employer potentially and, you know, that phone call is a letdown, but at least you're getting something. It's the same thing when you're testing and assessing candidates too. Are yeah. you giving them some feedback from them as to why you're not going to pursue them 
any further, right? The silver medalists, as as, uh, as I call them, you know, the ones that you really like but uh-huh. can hire, I think they should even be put into like another special bucket that uh, you use to kind of you know, stay in touch with them and offer them other things around uh, your company. I think, uh, you know, just creating an even tighter talent community for those people as well, I think is uh, something that uh, is worth exploring. Don't you think? Agreed. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about Rejobify then. What is the service? What does it do? And how does it help improve candidate experience? All right. So basically, Rejobify is a way to uh, help those you can't hire, Kevin, overall. And uh, we do that through basically taking over your existing uh, email rejection template. So it lives within your existing ATS. There's no new technology here. We're simply basically replacing the text in that uh, with our offer, essentially. So you'll send us your existing email templates. We'll put our offer into there. And in that offer is a link that says basically, so as a thank you for taking the time to apply with our company, we've teamed up with uh, Rejobify to help you become a better job seeker. Just click here to access a free job hunting course and other tools and tips to continue your search overall. So we are providing basically some free uh, job search tools and resources to help that seeker continue their search wherever it may take them overall. And we do that by just embedding that offer into your uh, existing email template overall. They click the link, they go to a landing page on Rejobify, which is a uh, customized for your company with your logo, uh, where you thank them again for applying and saying, hey, you know what? Don't be discouraged. We want to help you out. Continue your search. So check out these free resources to to do that overall. And that is essentially what Rejobify is. So it's kind of a... Uh, my favorite part about it, Kevin, is that there's no uh, nothing to log into, right? I'm not giving the HR person another thing to log into. It just works with your existing systems, wherever that, wherever that system is overall. And sort of a, a clever hack we use to get them to click on the uh, Rejobify link. So basically, it's about giving back and, and helping them become a better job seeker and move on with their life. And uh, at the same time, creating a positive experience out of that uh, that rejection email, which typically is an entirely negative one overall, trying to change that dynamic a bit. It's true. And I think, you know, I, I, the reality check here that there's still a negative response. I mean, even even when it's positive, it's still negative, right? Obviously. Yeah, you're softening the blow though with... A, I mean, with a, right. I mean, I mean but, and I don't want to take anything away from what you're saying. I just think that it's still the reality. But we do know that when those improvements are made like we've already been talking about. And if that's what Rejobify is going to help organizations do against softening the book, it does actually chip away at negative, what we call resentment Yep. Um, with candidates. The resentment rate, meaning the percentage of candidates we see in our data every year that are just not willing to do anything else with that specific employer they had had that experience with, the bad yeah. experience with. And in North America, since 2016, the resentment rate has increased 40%, which is... So it's still mind blowing. I mean, it's EMEA's twenty five percent, Apex ten. So it's increasing everywhere um, in such a tight global job market, more or less. And we see a lot of good things that are changing too, but it's just really still high. How are you measuring success then with this tool? Yeah, so we track all the activity that happens on that page overall, and so we, then we send those stats to you on a monthly basis in terms of uh, here's how many people came to the page, here's how many people uh, signed up for the email course or clicked on the other uh, uh, links and resources in that course as well. So we send that to you as part of the uh, the overall Rejobify service uh, each month, and um, it tells you how many people are actually hitting that page itself overall. So you know our clients are seeing pretty good um, click-through rates on that email. So I'm talking about 20, 30% overall. I've got a client who told me that I'm getting people thanking me after they get this email. And if that happens, then that's a pretty, uh, that's what I want to see, right? It's it's changing that uh, that perception of you as an employer. A lot of our clients saying, hey, you know, I'm getting these uh, job seekers coming to me after after I reject them and they're not, you know, they're, they're not pleased and they wonder why. And and I think a tool like our Jobify or even just, just putting in some of your own, you know, resources in there, it's not that hard really just to, 
give them something to do beyond that, right? Give them a tool to go look at or uh, send them an industry resource, whatever it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, just something that they can take away and say, okay, you know, they, they didn't really just uh, reject me outright. They actually cared enough to send me something else to, to try and move on with my search. Absolutely, Chris. So what's coming then with this particular service? Is there any further plans and updates and other kinds of functionality that you're thinking about? Potentially. One thing we've been exploring is kind of just some different vertical stuff. So we actually work with a trucking recruiter because he loved the idea, but he wanted the, the job search course itself is kind of a general job search course. It gives you a bunch of you know resume tips, tricks, and tactics, things like that. He wanted a, a trucking version of that essentially. So we actually work with him to create a new course based on that. It's a three-day course versus the regular seven-day course that we usually send out. So we created a trucking version of Rejobify for him, uh, for his, for his, uh, his seekers overall. So oh, we're thinking cool. about different ways to kind of leverage different verticals like that. That makes sense. To kind of configure, customize it then, basically, yep. what you're talking yep. about. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. So you know, for, for a couple of IT clients, we did more of a, an IT-focused resource landing page for them with some different links around just IT job hunting and stuff like that. That makes sense. Absolutely. Chris, here, here's an easy one for you. So why should companies be measuring their candidate experience, especially with programs like the Candy Benchmark Research Program? Why should they be doing it? Well, I mean, it's a tight job market. You got to care. Um, I think if you're an employer out there and you're looking at what's happening in the market today, you've got to look at your candidate experience. I mean, it's the one place you can differentiate yourself overall. And it's something that um, candidates will appreciate if you actually go in there and improve that process overall. I was just talking to a creative director at a ad, uh, recruitment ad agency, and he thinks candidate experience is the new employer branding overall. Yeah, um, and So it's something that is taking a lot of uh, precedence with uh, a lot of big companies these days. Agreed. Absolutely. So Chris, the last question I like to ask my guests for this show is besides everything else that we do in work, because we all work a lot, you and I work a lot. We have lots of friends and peers and colleagues that work a lot. What else does Chris do besides work? What else is that's exciting for you outside of recruiting, candidate experience, talent acquisition, all that good stuff. Nice. Well, I guess probably my my biggest hobby is uh, fishing off my kayak, Evan. Um, nice. I'm an avid bass fisherman and uh, here in Northeast and um, spend my springs and summers and falls uh, out there in the uh, lakes and reservoirs of Connecticut usually. And uh, that's where you usually find me on weekends anyway. But no ice fishing, Chris? No ice fishing. Haven't done that yet. Right now, it's so warm out. There's not much ice around here. Oh, is that really? Um, in the Northeast. But um, it, uh, yeah, one day I'll get out there. I've got a few invites over the years, but haven't actually done that yet. Well, very nice. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Chris. And thanks for being on the Candy Shop Talk podcast. And I look forward to seeing you again very soon. My pleasure, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Candy Shop Talk podcast. For more information about Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards and Benchmark Research, visit www.thetalentboard.org.